I'm Lynn Prowse-Bishop and this is The Virtual Business Show. As many of you know, I've been in business as a VA since February 2000 and over that time I've presented on and tried to help and mentor newbie virtual assistants on how to increase business, stay in business and keep clients happy. By newbie, I mean anyone who's been in business less than two to three years. Forgive my bluntness, but in my opinion, if you've only been in business 12 months to three years, you are not a veteran VA and you're still learning. You certainly have no business teaching others how to have successful VA practices. I'd even go so far as to say you need to be in business for five years before you can say that, given the statistic that over 80% of businesses fail in the first five years. This is one reason I started the Virtual Business Show podcast, in an attempt to get this sort of information out there and readily accessible to everyone. It's also why I'm a regular speaker at international VA conventions. I've seen some awful things and total, oh, you didn't just do that moments. And one of the worst is when you refer a client on to another VA and they're treated in a less than ideal way. Let me give you an example of one thing that happened to me. I received a call from one of my ads from a client in the city asking me if I could help her. Unfortunately, at the time, I was living in a regional area and I couldn't. In this case, she wanted a face-to-face meeting to talk about document production, and it was before the days of Zoom. I've always run my business on the basis that I never leave a client hanging. If I can't help a client, I believe it's in not only the client's best interest, but also mine and that of the industry as a whole, that I try and find an alternative for them. So I use my networks and refer. Many VAs do the same. I referred this client to a VA I knew and trusted who was in the city, but who unfortunately couldn't help out in this instance, but who then referred her to one of their network contacts. So far, so good, right? I was absolutely dismayed to receive a desperate call from this client to the effect that she'd been trying in vain to contact the VA that she'd been referred to in order to sort out some urgent amendments to the document and she couldn't get hold of her. She wanted to know, did I have an alternative contact for this VA, which of course I didn't because the VA who secured the job wasn't the one I originally referred. I followed up with the client later in the day to check whether she'd sorted things out and she indicated that she finally tracked down the VA and had decided that she would put the job aside until another time when, quote, the VA may be better able to look at it. This was a total what the moment for me. I nearly had a fit. To make matters worse, this client was making excuses for the VA, saying that she had a couple of kids at home, she had some personal life things happening, and her head is probably elsewhere right now, understandably. I disagree. I don't think it's understandable at all and is amazingly unprofessional of the VA, particularly that they shared their personal life story with the potential client as an excuse for not getting the job done properly and for making mistakes. So here are my five top tips for being professional when dealing not only directly with clients, but also when taking projects referred by colleagues. And there is, of course, more than five, but these are the five that come up for me in this particular scenario. Number one, don't take the job if you can't fulfill the requirements. I don't care how desperate for work you are. If you tell a client or a colleague referring a client that you're able to do the work, then for heaven's sake, do it. If you drop the ball, you're letting not only the client down, but the entire industry. In short, you make us all look bad. 
Number two, if you have your mobile listed as your main contact, answer it always. If for some reason it must go to Message Bank, ensure that you've got the professional Message Bank service. Don't rely on those silly free services like the one where if a person rings, their number or message is sent to you in a text. And have your phone set so that if you miss a call, you're notified by an audible sound. And if you happen to be in the shower or otherwise engaged, check your phone often. Assume that people are ringing you even if they're not. Number three, return calls from clients and colleagues the same day, within an hour of receiving the message at least. Don't keep people hanging or guessing where you are and never leave a client hanging wondering where on earth you've gotten to with their project. Number four, never view clients as a nuisance. Clients are a gift. They keep your business ticking over and without them, you're out of business. Treat clients the way you'd like to be treated when you're buying a service. And finally, number five, you may be self-employed, but you are in business. Working from home for yourself definitely has advantages and gives you the opportunity to do things that you wouldn't have time for if you worked for someone else. But even if you're looking after kids and at school holidays or you have to run Johnny to the doctor at 9am, you're still a business. Make it easy for clients and colleagues to contact you. Have phone numbers and email addresses easily visible and accessible on your site. Consider not just using your mobile number, particularly if you don't check it regularly, or have your home number, if you still use a landline, forwarding to your mobile if you're going out. Return calls immediately, at least within an hour. Respond to email within 24 hours. Be at your computer regularly throughout the day. If something takes you out of the office, make up the time. Naturally, you have to set boundaries with clients and you also need to be able to say no. As a business owner, you have that right. And some more ideas on setting boundaries and saying no are covered in episode 7 of the podcast and I'll include the link on the page. If you have a project on, it takes priority over everything else, except perhaps a child requiring a doctor visit if there's no one but you to take them. In which case, give the client a quick ring and let them know you'll be delayed. Give them an update on when you think you'll be able to get the project back to them. It is incredibly frustrating to be putting out fires caused by unprofessional VAs in an attempt to keep people coming back to our industry. This client was a professional person who's likely to use VAs again in the future. Potentially not this one but I had to spend 15 minutes of my time on the phone with her smoothing things down and encouraging her not to abandon us all completely because of one less than encouraging experience. Please think before you take on a project. If you don't have the time to do it, say so. There are others the client can be referred to and other projects will come to you. If you do take it on, commit to it. Get it done above all else. If a client asks for changes, you do them, they send it back saying it's not right and you go back and forth like that for a while, so be it. That's the nature of the business. As a newbie, unfortunately, you don't have the luxury of picking and choosing yet. If you've taken the project on, there's no such thing as the too hard basket. Taking the project means you've taken responsibility for pleasing the client, so do so. Because failing to do so means that you potentially damage the reputation of the industry for the rest of us. Not to mention you're unlikely to get work referred to you again. 
being a virtual assistant means you work in a service industry. I like to think of service as a verb. You have to do something to serve clients. But that's also what keeps them coming back and turns them from potential clients into clients and finally into advocates, not just for you, but for the industry as a whole. And we all benefit from that. I'm Lynn Prouse-Bishop. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.